Welcome to the fifth podcast of the D-Man and Stormer Big Blue Podcast, episode number five. That intro music replacing We Are the Giants was Jump Around by House of Pain. Eric, do you remember what movie that was from? No, no, I do not. This is Doubtfire. That movie, that song, is it really? That song was in Mrs. Doubtfire. It's also a great sports song. Anyways, I'm Peter Storm. He's Eric Diamond. And tonight, as we creep closer into the season, as we are uh, really in mid-July now, which is a bit shocking, we are creeping closer to the start of training camp. So there's more and more news coming out right now. Um, so we are going to, this episode is going to cover all the recent news with the Giants uh, around the NFL, as there was a bevy of extensions given out, and there's a, a lot of news surrounding the Washington Redskins. Also, ESPN ranked their top 10 running backs. We're going to discuss that because I think Dave Gettleman will love that. We'll have the latest of uh, – we have, and I actually just got some breaking news on Aldrich Rosas, so we'll uh, cover that. And we'll also talk about the latest on COVID-19, uh, talk about some thing, other things that are going on in New York sports. And we have three questions in the mailbag, so a fun-filled, jam-packed episode. How, how have your two weeks been? I know they've been an exciting two weeks for me because I actually got to see you in person twice. Yes, yes. We had uh, fun hanging out uh, with our ladies in uh, Long Branch at Pier Village. <laughs> yes, yes. It was, it was fun to, uh, definitely fun to see you. Anyways, uh, why don't we jump right into the uh, ESPN ranked top 10 running backs. Um, I think it's a great place to start, and then we'll get into some of the news. So ESPN is starting to rank each position, uh, you know, because there's a lack of real sports stuff going on. So they're really uh, looking for things to do. And apparently they polled 50 different executives um, and ranked their players. So Saquon Barkley was ranked number one by ESPN and in their poll. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was ranked second. Ezekiel Elliott was ranked third. Now, you know, we always think about these players in terms of fantasy football, not really in reality football. So if I was to rank them in fantasy football, I would actually flip Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Um, what were your thoughts of uh, Saquon being ranked first? Well, I think uh, Barkley was ranked first because of his potential and the assumption that the Giants offensive line is going to be better next year. If you look at statistics, McCaffrey, hands down, is the number one back in the league. You could even argue that uh, Elliott should be ahead of Barkley as well. Can I see Barkley having an outstanding year, the number one running back in the NFL? Of course I can. But, you know, you know he's got to prove it. Plus, he has to stay healthy because he didn't do that last year. I, you know, I have an issue with Barkley being ranked first because, I, I, again, I think, you know, because of his draft, draft pedigree being picked second, I think that plays into it. I don't, I don't think any, I don't think in any world could he be ranked ahead of Christian McCaffrey right now. I mean, Not McCaffrey at this stage. Had a thousand yards rushing, thousand yards receiving. 
He's that entire team's offense. He's always on the field. He blocks. Barkley has so many carries for negative yards, and I know some of that's on the offensive line, but some of that's on him too. Um, I think he tried to come back too fast from his injury last year, and I think that impacted him. But I I don't see in any world where Saquon Barkley should be ranked ahead of Christian McCaffrey. That's just my thoughts. I'm a Giant fan. I'm a Barkley fan. My kids have Barkley jerseys. But Christian McCaffrey, if I was picking, I would take – and I'm not talking about just fantasy football because in fantasy football it's it's not even close. In reality football, I, I, I still would pick McCaffrey. And you I, know, there's I one thing. That... A case could be made for Ezekiel Elliott, too, but I think some of Elliott's success is because he has a great offensive line. You know, there's one other thing we haven't really talked about regarding Barkley, which would really justify why he should certainly not be number one, is that he can't block. No, he's a terrible blocker. Exactly. Terrible. I mean, he, he puts Jones in danger because he gets pushed back. You saw what happened in that Jets game last year. It was embarrassing. That was because of Barkley. He gets knocked down um, so easily. It's like he's not even there. I mean, it got so bad with Barkley's blocking that they took him out on third downs, even though he's a good receiver. I, I, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are basing this on potential and, if, if, you know, and if, Barkley reaches his full potential, he could be number one on this list. But I mean, I just want to I'll be honest. With you. I think I think he will be number one at the end of the year. I do. If there is a if there is a year, of course, but I do. I, I think he's going to explode this year. I do. We'll see. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm not as optimistic or bullish on the offensive line as you are, but uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I Bark Bark. You know, a Jason Garrett offense, if they use Barkley right. He will have it, and he stays healthy. Staying healthy is key. We'll, we'll I have there. a feeling, you know, with McCaffrey, I mean, to me, he's not a big guy. To me, he's taking a lot of hits. I think this year you may see him get injured. Well, there'll be a lot of – don't have a lot of years. If that's the case. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> I, just wanna, I wanna go through the rest of the top ten. Alvin Kamara is ranked fourth. Derrick Henry was ranked fifth. Henry just signed a huge extension with the Titans. And, you know, the truth is, at the end of last season and into the playoffs, nobody was better than Derrick Henry at the running back position. Dalvin Cook was ranked sixth. Nick Chubb was ranked seventh. The underrated Joe Mixon was ranked eighth. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders was ranked ninth. And Le'Veon Bell was ranked tenth. Now, overall, I thought this was a pretty good list. But to me, there has to be a place for Aaron Jones in the top ten because he was as responsible as Aaron Rodgers for the success of the Packers last season. Other guys that I thought should be other guys that I thought should be considered were Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. And now that they won't be splitting carries, I can see them easily on this list. Leonard Fournette had a great year last season, but he's an enigma uh, as he doesn't get along with teammates. But he is talented, and you know a guy who would have been on this list for the last five years who's not on the list anymore is Todd Gurley. Will be interesting to see if if he has a resurgence now that he's with the Falcons and playing at home. What were your thoughts? Do you think anybody was missed that you could think of on the list, or? I thought ESPN overall did a pretty good job, except I think Aaron Jones over probably Le'Veon Bell is a bit of a miss for me. Yeah, Bell doesn't deserve to be in the top ten, and, and quite honestly, he's not going to do that that great this year either on the Jets. I do think I do like Cal, uh, Dalvin Cook ahead of Henry. Uh, Henry doesn't catch the ball, um, so I kind of put him behind him, but if. Henry, obviously, last year was very dominant and carried Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do that again. He always starts out slow and then seems to come on as the season goes on. 
you know, I think Kamara, who was disappointing last year, I guess deserves one more year to see if he can get back to where he used to be. But he could quickly fall down this list if he struggles again. Yeah, he Kamara did not have a good year last year. I think he missed Mark Ingram. You know, splitting carries, Ingram took a lot of the hits for him. Uh, you know, I, it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's a tough list. Running back position, you know, the lifespan of a running back isn't long, and Todd Gurley is a perfectly good example of that. So, anyways, I think next week we'll or next podcast the, the wide receivers were ranked. So we we will probably get into that. I don't expect to see any giants on that list. Um, but you know, I thought ESPN did a better a better job than Phil Sims did in his rankings when he ranked the quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> that is true. So, anyways, getting on to the news of the of the last two weeks, and believe it or not, some of the news is starting to pull in. And I and I, and, and I just got breaking news on Aldrich Rojas. Rosas, Rosas was just charged with three misdemeanor charges. So. You know, I'm not sure what that's going to mean for the season, but you can be sure, and we haven't covered this, Stephen Goskowski is available, and you have to think that he's on Joe Judge's speed dial to quickly replace Rosas if this legal if this legal problems uh, cause any kind of distraction or, or downward decline in his play. And he was pretty bad last year, so I'm not sure how much further he can fall. Well, the Giants have enough legal problems right now. Well, Speaking of their next legal problem, DeAndre Baker. There was a lot of razzle-dazzle this week with DeAndre Baker. Um, Pat Leonard of the Daily News, who's not one of my favorite giant writers, is reporting reported that Baker and his partner in crime, Quinton Dunbar, paid their four robbery victims $55,000 each to say the crime never occurred. This story gets crazier and crazier every week and probably will be the basis of a future ESPN 30 on 30. That report by Leonard was quickly... I don't know what the word was quickly disparaged by Baker's agent saying it wasn't true, but then Dunbar was quickly dumped by his agent. I, I you know, with it, you know, in these situations for me where there, where there's smoke, there's fire. I can't imagine that Baker's innocent in all this. And, and, you know, he very likely could have played his last game for the giants, which is not a good outcome for uh, Dave Gettleman who spent the 30th pick number first round 30th pick overall on this. Yeah, this is uh, really disappointing. I agree with you. When there's smoke, there's fire. He definitely played his last game for the Giants and probably in, in the NFL as well. I, I mean, what else can you say? I, it's unbelievable that this happened, and it's it's really sad, actually. It really is. He had his whole future ahead of him, and he ruined it. Speaking of a guy who has his whole future ahead of him, Leonard Williams, um, the uh, – prize acquisition of Dave Gettleman at the trade deadline this year. It's official. He will play this season on the franchise tag and the Giants will pay uh, Leonard Williams $16.129 million this year, which equates to $8 million for each quarter sack. So, you know, Williams who had a half a sack last year is being paid $8 million per quarter sack. Um, this, you know, you know, we've, I've spoke about this ad nauseum that trade was uh, terrible. Um, I, I believe there's an unwritten agreement between Williams and the Giants that the, the, both sides will see how Williams transitions to a new defensive system this year, and they'll and if he and if he excels, they'll look to extend him next season. Uh, but you know this this was a tough this is a tough nut to swallow for Giant fans with Leonard Williams making that much money, costing them a third round pick, 
And, and he would never have gotten this amount of money on the open market if he did become a free agent. I mean, look at Javion Clowney, who's still not signed. Uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about Giants paying $8 million for each quarter sack? Well, this, you know, the Williams trade last year, <clears throat> excuse me, may end, end up being one of the worst trades in Giant history because of the money that he's getting paid for the production. I mean, maybe this will motivate him to really play well this year and may surprise us with, you know, 10 sacks. Um because he needs to do something like that. He's got to be really productive to earn his money um, so he doesn't go down as one of the worst trades in Giants history. Yeah, I mean, I, I get really, really irritated <laughs> when I hear the terms that he's a disruptor. He's, you know, he gets into the backfield, but he just misses the sack. Well, I mean, all that to me is just nonsense. He, Leonard Williams is not – you You pay $16 million to defensive linemen that can either really stuff the run or it can really rush the passer, and he's probably not great at either. I mean, listen, Williams is a good player, and I, you know, and I think if the Giants had signed him to a, as a free agent to like a two-year, twelve million dollar contract and didn't trade for him, you know, it would be worth the shot. But in the in the circumstances of how Williams became a Giant, and and with Gettleman's track record with me, I know others disagree. I mean, this is just another indictment of a, of a bad move. And we just, and he, we, we were pretty much pretzled. The Giants were pretzled into keeping him. They couldn't let him go. Otherwise, it would have looked even worse. And, and you know, it, so here this guy is going to be making $16 million a year. Um, well, if he gets two stacks again this year, it's going to really look bad. But, you know, when I think of Leonard Williams, it reminds me of a movie that I saw a few months ago called The Invisible Man. Because I you barely noticed she's on the I, field. I want to interrupt you there because if you had said 365 days, I was going to get very – I was going to be like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, maybe 365 days um, until we have a winning season maybe, but <laughs> – I got to tell you, on, on this Giants website I'm on, and I'm going to plug them again, BigBlueInteractive.com, uh, the, the host of the site has been posting links to some of the great moments in Giant history – and going back and listening to that and hearing the energy in Giant Stadium back then just, you know, makes me really miss it. It really, you, you know, it really makes me miss it. Anyways, on, on to Marcus Golden. Looks like you were right and Ralph Bacciano was wrong. So the Daily, <laughs> News, the Daily News should fire Bacciano and hire Diamond because we will not know about Golden until the first uh, day of training camp because there's nothing new on that. So you were right and uh, good, good job for you on that. Um, the last, the last thing about the Giants that, that I have, and you may have something else, but um, Nate Solder was named the most overpaid player in the league by CBS Sportsline. Accolades for Dave Gettleman, the, the accolades for the Dave Gettleman moves keep on coming. Um, somehow, it, it was noted that Leonard Williams would have been on the list, but his contract wasn't final at the time. But congratulations to Nate Solder for being named the most overpaid player in the league. I would completely agree with that. Um, you know, I think he'll, I think he'll have one more year at left tackle. I think Andrew Thomas will play right tackle. Uh, but Solder, yeah, I mean, that, that's a distinction that he definitely earned last year with his performance. Well, that reward he shares with Gettleman. <laughs> I wasn't surprised when I saw Solder as, uh, as the most overrated. Um, so that, that, you know, the, you know, the news is really starting to trickle in about the giants. Like I said, we, we are a couple of weeks away from training camp, um, in August, when Eric returns from his Outer Banks vacation, we will go through game by game in a special extended podcast, and both of us will give what we think the Giants' record will be this season. 
That'll probably be in the uh, ballpark of the August 15th podcast, somewhere around there. Anyways, in other NFL news, and there was a lot this year, uh, four major players signed uh, extensions, but none bigger than Patrick Mahomes, who could probably fund some third-world countries with his 10-year, $240 million contract extension. And I got to say, there are very few players in sports that are worth the money. Mike Trout's worth the money. LeBron James is worth the money. Patrick Mahomes is probably worth the money. I agree. I mean, he's going to make Kansas City's uh, Chief fans very happy for the next decade. Kansas City wasn't done there after Mahomes. They signed Chris Jones to a big extension, too. Jones, one of the better pass rushers in the league. Um, there was some thought that he could be traded, and at one point the Giants were actually interested in Jones. But the Chiefs really opened their pocketbooks this offseason, and hopefully for their sake there will be a season so they can see some return on the uh, extensions that they gave to Mahomes and Chris Jones. The aforementioned Derrick Henry also signed a huge extension for a running back. I'm sure there's some protective stuff in there you know, to protect the Titans in years three and four. But Henry earned that extension with an end of season that was purely incredible last season. Yeah, the thing about running backs, as you know, their tread uh, goes down pretty quickly. You know, maybe he has another year or two of being really good. But I can see that third year he can go downhill. You know, he takes a lot of big hits. And the very controversial Miles Garrett got a contract extension from the Cleveland Browns. A lot of money for Garrett. If you remember, he was involved uh, in that controversy with the Steelers quarterback, whose name escapes me right now. But Garrett is uh, going to be a Brown for a long time. Again, there's if you can rush the passer, even if you're some sort of, even if your character is a little questionable, you are going to get paid. So on this list, you see there's a quarterback and two pass rushers that signed huge extensions um, right before the franchise uh, deadline was uh, set. What did you think of now, Garrett getting extension? That surprised me a little bit after his on-the-field incident this year. Has he been officially reinstated by the NFL? I believe he was reinstated by the NFL. Um, All right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it shows that you can really do a, a bad thing on the field, get suspended, uh, and get a, an extension, uh, really nice extension. Well, you know, they always say there's three sides to every story. So, I mean, while Garrett looked guilty, there might have been some provocation um, that was that caused it, and, you know, if there's no, you know, it's, there's never, you know, there's never a good excuse to do what he did. But I mean, I'm sure when, you know, when everybody was interviewed, there seemed to be some groundswell of support for Garrett being provoked. So maybe that's the bottom line is, you know, you see teams unlike the Giants that are, you know, really sign, signing players who, who rush the passer. Because I don't know what that's like from our perspective, because we don't do that. We don't know it since Jason Pierre Paul blew off his hand. We haven't had a pass rusher since that. Yeah, pretty much. It also came out today that 72 players in the NFL tested positive for COVID-19. So, I mean, I mean, and from my understanding, I mean, I don't think that was all the players either. Well, you know, this, this is going to, you know, it's, it's funny. It's going to be newsworthy. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some disagreement between the union and the, and, and the NFL about how a player should be designated on the injury report if they have COVID. Because the NFL, they're claiming it's a non-football injury and – you know, again, the COVID nineteen dimension to everything now is 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 quite you know important. I mean, there's eighty one thousand new cases today. Uh, this is not going away tomorrow. There's no vaccine yet. I mean, you know, I supposedly they're getting close, but seventy two players is a lot. I mean, even the NBA, and we'll cover this later. In the bubble, 
there's still players testing positive every day. Uh, you know, and, and this, this is going to be part of life now is COVID-19 and sports, uh, you know, so 72 players. And you're right. I don't think that was the entire NFL. Uh, Jamal Adams update for our good friend, Neil from Hillsdale. Uh, Jamal, many of the Jet players interviewed recently feel Jamal Adams will stay put with the Jets despite his uh, tense relationship with uh, Adam Gase. So good news for Jet fans. Jamal Adams looks like he'll be suiting up in the green and white this year. And, and you know what, though? My, my prediction, though, and Jamal Adams, he may start the year on the Jets, but I think by week eight, he's going to be traded. Unless the Jets are 6-2. and two. Yeah, which I'm not predicting. Yes, no. that's true. If the Jets win, he may stay. But if they, if they're three and five, two and six, I think he's going to become a cancer. And we're going to end the our trip around the NFL with the Redskins. A lot of news coming out of Washington. Two things actually: the Redskins are going to change their name, um, which is you know part of what's going on in the world. And we're not here to cover that, nor are we going. I'm going to even touch it. But the rumor I heard is they're going to be changing their name to the Red Wolves. Um, that's the rumor right now from some sources uh, close to our podcast. The Redskins are going to be changing their name to the Red Wolves. However, the bigger story with the Red Wolves or Redskins is 15 women from the Redskins front office have, have now accused personnel, uh, you know, management of sexual harassment. This is a big story. It's an evolving story. It just came out today. Um there is going to be some pressure on Daniel Snyder now to sell the team, which probably would make Redskins fans happy. But this is now the latest uh, sexual harassment scandal in the NFL. It's now hit the NFL. There's 15 women who work for the Redskins are accusing Redskins front office personnel of sexual harassment. Thoughts, Eric, about the name change and the uh, now the scandal with the Redskins or Red Wolves? Well, I can really care less about the name change, um, but <laughs> – I mean, that is not that is in, not the politically correct thing to say. Well, I understand that they're doing it, but you know, Red Wolves, whatever they change their name to, I don't really care. Um, you know, so Washington, you know, team to me, it is concerning. I can't imagine being a Redskins fan, and you know, you you pay all this money to, to buy tickets and watch this team. I mean, fifteen women to complain uh, about sexual harassment. And stuff. I mean, that's that's disgusting. Um, obviously, that type of environment is not a healthy environment. I don't know what else to say. If I was a Redskins fan, I'd be really, really pissed off and, and and sad that this is going on for a team that you know that you support and like. But, it's a terrible scandal. I mean, if you hear yeah, giving up yet- negative news in the world too, and and this is just adds to it, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you hear it in politics, entertainment, sports, wherever you hear it, it's disturbing. I mean, yeah. you know, the stuff that went on, you know, I'm watching Mad Men now, and the stuff that went on in the 1960s is not okay now. And that's and people have to acquiesce to that and, 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 and deal with it, you know? It's, it's not the 1960s anymore. Anyways, before we hit the uh, Ask Eric and Peter mailbag, we will hit, we'll quickly go around the rest of sports, or New York sports, um, with our COVID and COVID-19 sports update and their other top New York sports news. So, Eric, in COVID-19, is, baseball is still scheduled to start with Yankees, Nats, Giants, Dodgers on July 25th. However, the Nationals have just come out today and said, we're not sure we're going to be able to play in D.C. Um, again, of course, these games will be without fans. 
But baseball, and we have our fantasy baseball draft on Sunday. You and I kind of bailed out of one league but stayed in another. Uh, you know, we're both going into this thinking that this is not going to stick. But if it does, it start. we finally get some baseball uh, next week or next Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, very interesting. And, you know, the one thing, especially, you know, I guess we're doing fantasy, you got players that are testing positive. You have to keep track of that. They're not even telling you that they test positive. They have these, they have these medical issues that keeps them out because they're not disclosing any information about this. Yeah, it's listen. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, you got sixty games to finish the season. You know, you're starting with Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole, which is a very cool pitching matchup to start the season. Uh, you know, baseball has a shot here to to have an exciting season. But of course, with a you know, if there's a lot of positive tests, it could shut down too. I mean, we have no idea if this is going to go to August, September, or not at all. I mean, it, this is we're we are reaching uncharted waters when it comes to sports right now. And speaking of that, the NBA, which is doing something different, they're restarting on July 31st in the Orlando bubble. Now, this bubble has been very, very interesting because some of these players are not respecting the bubble. Or if they're caught not wearing masks and there's some sort of hotline and people are being complained about, the NBA also manipulated the number of the teams to bring in Zion Williamson, However, you know, and the Pelicans into this, but now Zion has got a family emergency, so he's leaving. And whenever he comes back, he's got a quarantine for eight days. These rules, this is all crazy. I mean, you know, these guys are in a bubble. They're complaining about the food. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the NBA is hoping for the Lakers in the finals, and, 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 and we'll forget a lot of this. But, again, another very fascinating situation. And the NBA can't get a break. I mean, they really wanted Zion to be part of this restart, and it doesn't look like he will be because – he probably will miss their few games that they have to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, who knows, you know, come say the first week of August, what it looks like, whether or not they're still playing. I think, I think baseball will start on the 25th, but the reality is you mentioned 81,000 new cases today as cases seem to be increasing throughout the country. It just makes it, it's really, I have a really pessimistic type of uh, feeling about sports you know, being able to finish the season. I mean, look, look at the Nets, right? The Nets are playing, and and they're already without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for injuries. But then Spencer Dinwiddie and and Desha- and Deshaun Holmes, whatever the guy's name is, both tested positive for COVID, so they're not playing. I mean, they got Jamal Jamal Crawford playing next. They'll probably try and bring back Jason Kidd to play. I mean, the net the Nets. You know, Bradley Beal's not playing for the Wizards. I mean, it's just. You know, they should have just done the 16 teams that were in the playoffs and done a tournament. They, they try to do they try to be creative and have Zion in there and Bradley Beal in there and Damian Lillard in there. Uh, you know, but it's it just become too complicated. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I, I, I there's 81,000 new cases and a lot of them are in Florida. And you know, the one thing I'll say about baseball if they're able to finish the season, it will be exciting because you know, with 60 regular season games, every game is important. You don't yeah, get we, that lull during a season that you normally do. Yeah, we won't have the dog days of summer that you have in August. I and mean, we, we've discussed that, that this is going to be a whole different excitement when it comes to baseballs. I, I mean, as good as the Yankees are, if they get off to a slow start, they can miss the playoffs. You know, I think there's a lot of good teams in the American League. And, you know, we'll dive that into it. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on baseball until it actually starts. But we'll see. Um, 
in other New York sports news, I think the two other main stories in New York sports is the pending sale of the New York Mets. I know there's not one Met fan out there who's not counting the days until Fred Wilpon sells. And if Steve Cohen ends up being the buyer, you're going to see the Mets spending on the levels of the Yankees and the Dodgers because Cohen is very wealthy. He's a big Met fan. The show billions of this character, you know, of Axelrod is based on Cohen. But, you know, there's been, you know, he was supposed to buy the team six months ago. And, uh, and this whole thing has been a little sketchy. But Cohen's main competitors seem to be a group led by A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I, I don't think there's a Met fan out there. And I know you're the biggest Met fan I know. How do you feel about the sale of the Mets? Well, it needs to happen. I just can't imagine that Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez are part of that group. That, you know, I do think that Steve Cohen will eventually purchase the team. I think with Cohen going on, I think Wilpon wants, probably knows he needs to sell. No, Wilpon knows he needs to sell, and and Cohen buying is the best (laughs) case scenario. But I think Cohen wants the Wilpons out right away. And, you know, I think Fred wants Jeff to stay on. There's been a lot of head scratching negotiations here, but the Wilpons need to sell the team because the Mets are run like they're not a New York sports team. You know, as a Yankee fan, you know, you know the, the, the the Mets having the spending power of Steve Cohen is scary because, you know, that, you know, that they'll really Cohen is going to spend like the Dodgers. I mean, there's no way going about that. And the Mets have a good core. So, you know, if you add an owner that's willing to spend, the Mets could be, you know, a, a you know, an ultimate competitor unless they change all the rules in the next collective bargaining. You know, that's an unknown. Anyways, the other big story for me is the ongoing Knicks head coaching search. You know, as me as a big Knicks fan, um, the t- to me, from what I, all everything I've heard, the final candidates, two candidates is Tom Thibodeau and Jason Kidd. <laughs> Thib- Thibodeau has been a front runner all along because of his ties to Leon Rose. Uh, Kidd, hit the, the attraction for Kidd with the Knicks is his relationships with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the fact that also Kidd has actually succeeded as a coach with young players in the stops with the Nets and Milwaukee, and he's gotten a lot of reviews, rave reviews in L.A. I heard Kidd wowed them in the interview, but I still feel this will be Thibodeau's job to lose when it's, when things are all said and done, and I think this will be announced shortly. Well, the one thing about Kidd is that, you know, he demands, you know, working hard, playing defense, you know, playing as a team. He knows the game very well, although he's had some issues at the get, getting along with some players. I was also surprised that we you talking about Thibodeau? What's that? You talking about Thibodeau or Kid? Kid. I actually, I feel like you just described Thibodeau more than Kid. Kid gets along with the players. Thibodeau's the one who had issues with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and he demands because he because he's still old school and expects guys to practice. Kid, kids' issues are more about getting along with the front office and undermining and and things like that. So, you know, but Kid does get along with the players, and that's part of what attracts him for the Knicks, I think. Especially I do think either one of them would be a good would be a good pick. Although I actually am curious about Mark Jackson. I think people underestimate him as a coach. Mark Mark Jackson is not a candidate for the Knicks job. Um for whatever reason I, I actually think Jackson will be a candidate for the Nets job. Um believe it or not. I think I think he has a real good shot at the Nets job. For whatever reason the Knicks didn't chose not to interview Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Those two were not candidates uh you know they they interviewed 11 people 
the biggest names on the interview list were definitely Kidd and Thibodeau. A lot of them were some of the hot assistants in the NBA. They also interviewed Mike Woodson, who actually is our uh, last successful coach, even though I was not a fan. Um, but And they also, the interim coach, Mike Miller, who I think will have a place in the organization. But I think at the end of the day, this, this, organ, this team wants to win. And if they hire Thibodeau, he probably is good for five to seven wins they wouldn't get with a worse coach because he just, he's just a very good coach. But Kidd is, Kid is attractive because of his relationship to Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Knicks are still star, star hunting, and they're especially star hunting with the combination of Leon Rose and World Wide West at the helm. But Giannis you don't is think there's there. You don't think there's any chance that the Knicks keep Miller as the coach? None. Zero, and he's waiting at the bus. No way. <laughs> they, 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 this is the, I got to tell you, the only guy that could come in here at the last second to seal the job is John Calipari if he decided he wanted to leave Kentucky. If it was announced, not- no, well, if they announced there's going to be no college basketball next season or something, that might entice him. But I, I think this job was always Thibodeau's. Um, the only, the only, you know, you know, the only thing that could stop him is he has some interest in another job that's opening, like Houston, with with a team that has more talent, or Philly fires Brent Brown. But in these uncertain times, I'm not sure teams are going to want to pay coaches to not coach. So Thibodeau would be probably foolish to turn down the Knicks. You know, the, the Knicks' job is, is, you know, whoever brings this team back to, you know, to, 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 to relevance is going to be a hero around here. And, you know, Thibodeau with seven picks and a lot of assets and things like that, this, you know, Thibodeau could be the man. I, I, I just don't want to hire a coach like Kidd and, and, and another hope and prayer of a superstar coming here. I just don't see Giannis coming here. I don't either. So. Those are the top stories, you know, top question, you know, the top sports stories outside of football. Um, we did get four questions this week. I just got another, and I will try and sneak that win in one in. And he asked Peter and Eric mailbag. You ready? I'm ready. Our first question comes from Paul from Ramapo College. Paul asks about the possibility of fans being allowed into stadiums this season if social distancing rules apply, sort of like they're doing in NASCAR. Uh, my initial thought on this question, and I know uh, when he, Paul posted this question on our social media for us, uh, it was answered right away with a no. That person who actually answered no is married to somebody who's taking COVID-19 very seriously and has not left the house. I do actually think there's a chance at some point in the season that fans are allowed in the stadium. Uh, you know, it depends on each state, each governor, each rule. But it would not shock me at some point because the NFL is their own entity. You know, I mean, I don't see them doing cardboard fans like uh, I heard the Mets are planning to do. But I could see a scenario where stadiums are allowed to fill with 25% capacity at some point this season, especially the outdoor stadiums. Yes, I, I agree with football. It would be the only place that you could see that. Um, and it also depends on what state you're talking about. But even, you know, 25%, actually the stadium almost seems empty at that. Yeah, it's going to be really weird watching games with no fans. I mean, it's it is. And, and, and I, you know, I, like I said, I, I could see a scenario again, football being the only sport, maybe baseball at some point too. Um, but uh, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a matter of what happens, you know, you got to wear a mask, all that stuff. But I, I could see a point in the season when we get to November, if, if, if this thing finally starts to die down and there's a vaccine that they'll allow some fans in there. Anyways, Paul from Rambo college, who's one of our best listeners. Thank you for the question. <laughs> 
The next question comes from Steve from the Amazon. Steve is another one of our great listeners. He asked, and, and we've actually covered this, and you and I disagree on this, so this is a good question. If Daniel Jones does not progress this season, would the Giants be interested in Trevor Lawrence of Clemson? I've told you that I think that no matter what, if the Giants are 2-14 and 14 and Daniel Jones has a good year, there is no way you pass up on Trevor Lawrence. He is a generational talent. Um, he is the top quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. You know, if you, ha- if you have the number one pick in the draft, you take Trevor Lawrence and trade Daniel Jones. That's the way I feel about it. I know you feel differently. Um, you think if Daniel well, Jones is good, why mess around with it? I'll tell you why, though. Number one, I don't think – look, I don't think the Giants are going to be good this year, but I don't think they're going to be good 14, so they're going to get the number one pick. However, hypothetically, they are 2-14. and 14. Jones does not play well. Yes, then I could see that happening, but I still feel the Giants should be, you know, at least six and ten compared to two and fourteen. And that six and ten won't give you the number one pick in the draft. When we go through the schedule and we go game by game, you will see they're not going to be six and ten this season. At, at most, the Giants are going to win. The Giants are going to win four games. They're going to be four and twelve, and it goes down from there. Yeah, but that's still not going to get you the number one pick. It might. It might. I mean, 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 will get you there. And if they're there, there's no way you pass up Trevor Lawrence. He is a generational talent at quarterback. Look, and, I agree. If they have the opportunity to pick him, they will. But okay. I highly doubt they'll be in, in that spot. Okay, you're Dave Gettleman, and they're in that spot. Daniel Jones has a good year. Okay, you know, not a great year, but a good year. He shows us some growth. He turns the ball over less. But still, the Giants are two and fourteen because their defense is terrible. You're Dave. Well, you're probably not Dave Gettleman, but you're probably Kevin Abrams. You're on the clock. You have the number one pick in the draft. You're offered a king's ransom from a team that needs a quarterback, or you have the chance to take Trevor Lawrence. What are you? What are you doing? I pick Lawrence. So you would you? So even if though Daniel Jones, even if Daniel Jones has a good year, you still take Lawrence and you pass up. I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I would take Lawrence too. Yeah, but again, I don't think the Giants going to be that. I don't think the Giants going to be the worst team in the league. They're going to be right there, even with their horrible defense. They're going to be right there. They're going to be among the worst teams in the league with Miami, who's not going to need a quarterback. I mean, they're going to be right there with Miami, maybe Jacksonville. I think those are the three worst teams in the NFL right now, if you ask me. Uh, you know, Detroit. Maybe, Detroit. Detroit's right there too, but you know, and, and Detroit would be interested in the quarterback. It'll be interesting if the Giants pick first and Detroit has the third pick, uh, and, and the Giants like Daniel Jones. That, that's that's a potential trade right there. I don't think Washington's going to be that good either. Uh, probably not. So that's another team to think about. So you know, we'll see. I, we'll we'll go through it. We'll see what we act. The Giants have a tough schedule, so we'll see what happens. Right, anyways, our third question is from Michelle from New Jersey, and she's asking us. Dak Prescott, smart or stupid? What is he thinking turning down a long-term contract for a one-year contract? Your thoughts on Dak? Well, he must. he's obviously very confident that he's going to have a great season. Um, he seems to be very happy with his decision, so. I don't know. I think he's dumb. If I were him, you take the long-term contract in the NFL. I would have done it too, but I mean, he doesn't seem like he made a mistake. 
I don't know. You look at what Patrick Mahomes got, right? Ten years, two hundred and forty million dollars. You got to think Dak is in the Dak could get something not that far off from that. I'm not saying he's in Patrick Mahomes territory, but Dak was very good last year, and you know, finding a quarterback isn't easy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but I think he is overvaluing himself if he's measuring himself against Mahomes. But I, I would have to think that there was some kind of common ground here. One year contracts in football is dangerous. I mean, he could tear his ACL next year. I mean, I, well, that's what I, and that's or, what or I was about got, to say. Is that three concussions or the money may not be there because of COVID? There's a lot of reasons why I think he's stupid. No, I agree. He should have taken it because you're right with the with injuries in football. You're at risk of you know you may one game maybe your last if you get hit too hard or, or whatever. Uh, so. Listen, you, he you obviously got, you, is pretty confident. You got a lot of factors here, and that's why you saw these players taking the long-term contracts at the deadline that were on the franchise tag. Injury, COVID, and the unknown of what the financial environment of the NFL is going to be are three reasons why you take a long-term contract if it was offered to you. I, I have no idea. And, and, and Dak is not, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's, you know, he, he, you know, maybe he's in the top 10 of quarterbacks, top 12. He's better than Kirk Cousins, but is he better than Kyler Murray? I, I don't know. He should have taken a long-term contract. That's an, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, I, I'd love I, to get a Dallas Cowboys fan on this. Yeah. You know, at some point, we got to bring in a guest. I mean, it would be fun to have a Jet fan on, a Cowboy fan on, you know, to start. So, you know, maybe, you know, uh, in a future podcast, we'll have trying to have a roundtable with a few of the teams that the Giants are rivals with. Anyways, our last question comes from another uh, very enthusiastic viewer. Brett from Long Island, he asked, what is our evaluation of the staff that Joe Judge put together? I'll let you uh, lead off on this one. Is that your dog in the background there? Yeah, that's Bianca. We have some, um, I'm near a military base here and they're doing some, uh, I guess, some bombing or something because my house is shaking and that's what's causing Bianca to bark. Yeah, I, I, thought, I, I actually. Never a dull moment here in Manchester, New Jersey. I thought it was you laughing. So I, I and then I realized it was a dog barking. Anyways, what what are your thoughts on Brett's question and the evaluation of the staff that Joe Judge put together? I mean, on paper, you know, it looks okay. I still have doubts about the defensive coordinator for Miami because what did they? The Miami defense wasn't good. No, I Garrett. Said, remember, remember my joke. I say, what do you do when you're the second worst defense in the NFL? You hire. You hire the defensive coordinator from the team that was the worst defense in the NFL. So they got rid of James Betcher and they hired Patrick Graham. I, you know, and the thing about, that was a terrible hire. And the thing about Jason Garrett is everyone thinks he's this, this offensive guru, but the reality is in every big game Dallas played, their offense failed. They failed. They never. Think, they didn't. I think the love for Garrett is something I told you. Giant fans were so afraid that Garrett was going to be the head coach that it was almost a sense of relief when he was the offensive coordinator. That being said, I think Garrett isn't a bad choice for what this team wants to do. They want to run the ball and they want to get Jones passing the ball downfield. That's what Garrett did in Dallas. And you're right. When it came to the playoffs, his offenses were very predictable. You give a team a week to game plan or 10 days to game plan and they were able to Dallas had a lot of failures in the playoffs. And that's one reason why Garrett was available. But, you know, we're, we're, we're not looking for the playoffs. We're looking for 500. We're just looking to improve. So I think from that perspective, I think Garrett was a good hired offensive coordinator. 
and they did even well by you know bringing Freddie Kitchens, a former head coach at tight end, and Mark Colombo as the offensive line coach. I think they did a good job on the offensive side. You know, my issue is Patrick Graham on the defensive side. I, Miami was so excited to get rid of this guy that they they pretty much you know sent him in a box of chocolates with him to 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 the Giants. I mean, Joe Judge is friendly with him from their days in New England. Uh, you know, Miami has a terrible defense. You know, some of it's personnel, but he's not get, he's not playing with a lot of talent here. So I don't, you know, he and I'm not you know he's got to scheme some sort of pass rush. He's got a scheme for the fact that he's probably not going to have DeAndre Baker. So he's got to have you know a lot of inexperience on the opposite side of Bradbury. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know who else was available, but I'm sure there were better candidates. My issue is more with Graham than Garrett. Garrett was an okay hire. Garrett was like a B, B hire, and Graham was a D hire. Yeah, Graham's going to have to come up with some really creative blitz packages because they have really no one up front who could put pressure on the quarterback. Um, actually, I think that Colombo actually has the most challenging job with all these new young linemen that they have. And he's going to have very limited time to get them to work as a cohesive group. No, that's true. I mean, you know, the, the hot button of my, you know, Columbus going to have a lot of pressure on him because the Giants offensive line has been one of the most scrutinized units in New York sports over the last five years. And, you know, they, they invested a lot in the draft on the offensive line, bringing in future Hall of Famer Andrew Thomas and, you know, and, you know, drafting three or four other hog mollies with him. So yeah, Colombo, you know, Colombo's going to have to ho- open holes and keep Daniel Jones upright. But I think part of, you know, the Dallas scheme with Jason Garrett, that's, that's their strength. So let's hope they can bring some of that to the giants. Um, the very, uh, well, know, the one thing, the one thing, one thing I wanted to add with Garrett is that he was used to working with a very mobile quarterback in Prescott and Daniel Jones is the same way. Yeah, Jones is mobile, and they, you know, and I don't think Shermer took advantage of that last year. And, and I think you know you got to get Jones rolling out. He's very, he's an accurate passer on the move too. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Garrett does have the experience to use. I, I think you know, again, I think my issue is more on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I don't, I did not like the Graham hire. It's not like he's not coming from a, de- a successful, uh, you know, defense. Anyways, thanks to Brett from Long Island for that question. Uh, again, we, we want your questions. Um, you can text them. To, you can email them to me at pstorm04 at AOL.com. We're going to start publishing our podcast on social media this week, so you can do it through Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, we love these questions. We appreciate the, the ones that we get from our viewers. Um, I think that about wraps it up for me. Um, I think we, you know, another good podcast. Our next one will be uh, either July 28th, July 29th in that ballpark. We got delayed one day this week as you and I were both busy yesterday. Um, and our next podcast probably, will again, we'll have, we'll have more news. We'll have a better feel for training camp. And we'll also, um, you know, we'll probably in the one after that, we'll start to cover some fantasy football and, and what we think the Giants record will be next year. Yeah, and the next time we meet, baseball should have started. So it'll be very interesting to see how the first few days go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, you know, our focus is the Giants, but by popular demand, we do cover the other sports. Me being a huge Yankee and Nick fan. I know as much about those teams as I do the Giants and Eric being a huge Met fan um, and a Nick fan. Probably not to the extent that I'm a Nick fan, but he definitely uh, can hold his own. So I I can't watch them. They're so bad. I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) They are bad. 
Anyways, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off from this from tonight? No, that's that's it. Let's, let's hope uh, these COVID numbers start to go down and people start wearing the masks. Yes, wear your mask, watch sports, hope it all works out. I'm Peter Storm. He's Eric Diamond. Thank you, and we will see you again in two weeks. Oh, <laughs>